Keeping It With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is brought to you by TKM Incorporated. This company located in Moss, Tennessee, specializes in erosion control, hydro-seeding, hydro-mulch, silt fence. They do minor excavation work, and they also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their mission is keeping people safe. Their passion is wishing that all men could be saved. TKM stands for The King's Men. If you'd like to contact The King's Men, you can contact them at 931-243-3958, 931-243-3958, or you may email them at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. The King's Men, in partnership with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. SJL General Contractor is a full construction company that primarily focuses on civil construction and asphalt sales in the Huntsville and Fayetteville regions. Services they provide include, but are not limited to, road construction, asphalt material, underground utilities, site work, and demolition. They employ heavy equipment operators, concrete finishers, pipe layers, and CDL dump truck drivers. If you would like for this company to work for you on your project, or if you'd like to work for them as an employee of this family-owned business, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660. Or three W's and a dot, sjnl.com. That's www.sjnl.com. SJNL General Contractor is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones. Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. The first time the word is used in print was in 1526. It's found in the account of a Spanish explorer while he was in the West Indies. He was in the West Indies and he was interacting with an Indian tribe of the Caribbean called the Tiano, T-A-I-N-O. And what he recorded in his journal was this phenomenon of grilling meat on a raised wooden grate. And the meat was was doctored and covered in spices and all kind of sauces and things. And the word for this in their language was barbacoa, B-A-R-B-A-C-O-A. And we've come to use that word in our culture, and we pronounce it barbecue. And it can be spelled in the long form, or it can be spelled with just a B-A-R, a B, and a Q-U-E. Barbecue, and when I start talking about barbecue, some very specific ones come to mind. There's a gigantic metal trailer that a guy named Brandon Glover operates, and and he deals in blackwater barbecue. Uh, He was featured on the Food Network. The only other grilling thing that I've seen that compares to his is Barry Handback. But now, I don't consider those guys professional barbecuers. I consider those guys to be guys that don't sell their barbecue. They, they take their barbecue and they entertain them. And when you t- start talking about buying barbecue, there's Boar Hogs, which is out here on Highway 72. And what they got famous for was this barbecue biscuit, a, a, a 
biscuit filled with shredded barbecue and cheese and you could pull up to that little store early in the morning and every utility truck in the world was parked there that's when you know there's good food when the construction workers and the utility guys are there there's mary's pit barbecue over here on uh, girly pike if you go to dallas texas you always want to eat at Hard Eight. It's a little barbecue place just uh, close to the airport there. And my number one favorite place to buy barbecue is a place called City Butcher in Springfield, Missouri. And if you can get a hold of their brisket and order some of their burnt ends, you will change your life. But now closer to home is this other barbecue rig that I talked about, this this uh, large black trailer with metal that is welded together and i call it the berry handback barbecue barge and berry handback produces some of the finest brisket you'll ever put in your mouth i was going to a retreat and i drove east on highway 72 i went over gunter mountain and through the town of grant yes grant sits on gunter mountain not on grant mountain i turned on union camp road followed columbus city road dropped off the mountain on the back side there at gunnersville and went to camp naoti i drove down the little windy road that leads you into camp naoti and sitting in front of the lodge was the berry handback barbecue barge you could see that big metal thing and you could see the smoke rolling out of it i stopped my little truck and i didn't even say hi to barry I went into the door of the lodge, and there on the table spread out was boxes of pizza. Pizza. Delivery pizza. Pizza that somebody had ordered and, and, and picked up and, and, and brought all the way out to Camp Nayati, and there wasn't any brisket in sight. My initial thought was to grab a box of pizza and wade out into the lake until it was too deep for me to wade and get on top of the box and just paddle my way out into the Tennessee River until the pizza and the pizza box dissolved and I drowned myself because I was so disappointed there was no brisket there. You see, when life doesn't turn out like I expect it to, I suffer loss. And humans grieve all losses. Now, if you think about stress and you think about loss and you think about guilt, those are the three main things that open the door for a kind of depression that we call cognitive depression. Now, depression has, has basically, in my world, two flavors. One is when we talk about that, hey, a person's brain chemistry is sending them messages that they feel bad, that they are helpless or they are hopeless or they are worthless. People who are helpless feel like they have no resources. People who are hopeless feel like they have no future, and people who are worthless feel like they have no value. And sometimes the brain sends us those kinds of messages, and there's nothing going on. There's no antecedent circumstances. There's no precipitating events. And if you're depressed and you don't have any circumstances that you're responding to, then that, that's pretty deep in the clinical weeds. Uh, what I'm talking about is when we have circumstances and those circumstances appropriately lead to depression. Here's an expectation. I'm going to walk in the Camp Nayati and there's going to be berry handback brisket. And it's cold delivery pizza. It's my expectation didn't meet my reality. And in some cases, not only is that normal, but it's healthy. 
It's called grief. It's called sadness. And sometimes it can be called depression. Now, if you really want to get deep into the clinical weeds, and, and we're not talking about a, a depression that is caused because of, of brain chemistry, but we're talking about a depression that is caused because of circumstances, but it's a misinterpretation of those circumstances. You see, when I pull into Camp Naoti and I see the big black barbecue barge and I tell myself there's going to be barbecue, I tell myself there's going to be barbecue and, and, and then I walk in and there's no barbecue, that internal dialogue that I tell myself is we're not having barbecue tonight. We're not ever going to have barbecue. Or I walk in and there's only pizza on the table and I go, we're not ever having barbecue and we're only ever having pizza. Well, neither one of those interpretations is true. The, the actual truth is we're having pizza tonight and we'll have brisket tomorrow. But if my thought process, if my internal dialogue is skewed because of what we call cognitive distortions, what happened, what does this mean to you? And then does it mean what you think it means? That's where you learn the, the basis of a lot of depression it is, is not necessarily the circumstances, but our reaction to the circumstances. The, the meanings that we give those things cause us to come out on the other end of, of sometimes some pretty benign events. And we come up with these invalid meanings. Hey, this happened, and it happened to me because I'm worthless. This happened to me because I'm guilty. This happened to me because I'm deserving of punishment. Sometimes we try to be responsible for things we can't control. Sometimes we do the all or nothing thinking. If we're not having barbecue tonight, we'll never have barbecue. If the only thing I found when I walked in the lodge is pizza, all we're ever going to have this whole weekend is pizza. Sometimes we try to be responsible for things that we can't control, and, and, and we, we make it our fault because somebody is mean or rude or a bully or unfaithful or dishonest. Sometimes we interpret life's events and we say that our achievement is only validated if somebody else tells us we did a good job or that our source of approval comes from the outside. If we suffer from any of those kind of distortions, then we open the door for a kind of depression that is not involving our brain chemistry, but it involves our inner dialogue and our core beliefs. And sometimes those core beliefs are invalid because we come to the wrong conclusion. We see a set of circumstances and we build a set of expectations around those circumstances. And when those things don't play out, we suffer loss. And that loss leads to a depression. I'd recommend you read two books in dealing with this. Number one is called Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy by a guy named David Burns. In the middle of the book is a little test called the Dysfunctional Attitude Scale, and it helps identify the cognitive distortions. It helps us identify those ways that we have of thinking, and they're either psychological strengths or psychological vulnerabilities. And uh, I, I would also recommend that you read the book Grappling with, with Life, Controlling Your Inside Space, that little uh, essay that I did about setting healthy boundaries and about how we think and the things that we allow to have access to our heart, our minds, and our souls. The problem with depression, and, and I don't think you can really adequately talk about all the things that go with depression in, in a, a, a very short podcast, 
But if you want to talk about depression 101, it really starts in, in asking that question, hey, what happened? And you're going to come up with, I did or I didn't, someone did or someone didn't. And, and so when you ask yourself what happened, and then you ask yourself, what does this mean? But you got to be careful and add the caveat. What does this mean to me? Because it's our interpretation. It's our filter. It's the glasses that we use to look at these things. So what happened? What does it mean to me? And then challenge the validity of that meaning and ask yourself, hey, does this mean what I think it means? And oftentimes you can measure the validity or the invalidity of these things by simply looking at what the facts are and what the feelings are. The fact-feeling integration is, hey, this is these are the things that I know and these are the things that I feel. And if my feelings can't be supported by facts, then those feelings have come from an erroneous source. They've come from a misinterpretation. They've come from a dialogue that is internal, and it's internal and it's invalid as well. But now when I've got feelings and those feelings can be supported by facts, then my emotional reaction is probably healthy. Here's an expectation. Here's a reality. And it's okay to have sadness. It's okay to feel loss. It's okay to experience grief. And it's okay to call that depression because it's not a depression that is created by brain chemistry. And it's not a depression that's created by a misinterpretation of my worth based on my misinterpretation of certain events. You'll find that, that people have a realistic expectation of what you can do with tomorrow based on how realistic your expectation is of what you can do today. It almost creates a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, we didn't have brisket tonight. We'll never have brisket. I think I'll just go home. And you leave the retreat because of the, the cheap pizza on the table and you miss out on what was going to happen tomorrow. Or you come in and you say, hey, you know, there's a brisket machine here. And although they didn't serve it tonight, they may serve it tomorrow. And, and, and by the way, pizza is not that bad. It's one of my favorite food groups. But the expectation of tomorrow is really filtered or controlled by our response, our realistic response to, to what's actually happening today. And so if you were to talk about Depression 101, then talking about Depression 101 is, is understanding, number one, that there's some depression that is chemically called. It's indigenous, it's organic, it's, it's a function of the brain misinterpreting things, and there's no uh, circumstances to go along with it. Number two, there's depression that happens and, and there's circumstances that go along and they're consistent. You've had a loss. You've suffered a grief. You've encountered a tragedy. Your, your diagnosis wasn't what you anticipated it to be. Someone disappointed you. Someone did something that was wrong or unfortunate or selfish. And it's okay to be depressed and feel sad about those things. But the third and the most important is that there are things that I encounter things that I expect, and then when they don't meet my expectations, I tend to interpret them with, hey, this is my fault, or I'm being punished, or I don't deserve, or I have no help, I have no hope, I have no future, I have no value. And it's understanding that 
there's a response to things that is depression and it's healthy normal reaction to circumstances or antecedent circumstances or precipitating events. But when you really get in trouble with dealing with depression, it's when these things happen and I'm unable to say, hey, you know, what this means to me is probably not what it really means. But because of my internal dialogue, because of my irrational core beliefs, or because of some sense of interpretation I've given, some traumas in my life, I always come to the conclusion that this means this about me and what it says about me not really not really accurate. You avoid that all-or-nothing thinking trap. You avoid that cognitive distortion that says, I'm responsible for things that I don't control. You avoid the idea that your sense of worth or your sense of value comes from a source outside of you. And so the real question to ask when, when discussing Depression 101 is, hey, what happened? What does it mean to me? And does it mean what I think it means? And when you understand what it means to you, then you get to decide and you get to to evaluate whether that meaning you gave it is valid or whether that meaning you gave it is invalid. And the real measure of whether or not our interpretations, our meanings are valid or invalid is that when I have an event and I assign a meaning to that event, If the meaning that I assigned to it is valid, then the emotions that it produces will lead me to balance and harmony. My grieving, my sadness, my sense of loss will turn out to balance my system, and I have closure, and I make peace with it. If, on the other hand, I come to an erroneous conclusion and I assign it a meaning that is invalid, then often the resultant emotions produce distress, destruction, or dysfunction. And so really the measure for whether or not are my emotions healthy or not is whether or not we use those emotions as information or whether we use those emotions as instruction. And oftentimes when we are acting emotion-based, then what our actions are, the, the resultant behavior, it produces distress, dysfunction, or destruction. But if we have a proper interpretation, then it leads us to balance and harmony, and we come to some healthy, or at least more healthy, conclusions. So you walk into the lodge, and, and there's, there's no brisket, there's only pizza. If you do distress, dysfunction, and destruction, you go, well, there's, I was expecting brisket is not here, and I'm going to leave, or I'm not going to eat that because I don't like that. And our emotions are telling us because it's not something that we wanted, it's not what we were expecting, then it's no good at all. When a, a healthy interpretation, one that leads to balance and harmony, says, oh, there's pizza for supper tonight, And the brisket may be served later in the weekend. And just because we can't have brisket tonight doesn't necessarily mean we can't have brisket tomorrow. Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. I am your host, Lonnie Jones. 
My wife Jackie and I moved to the city of Huntsville in 1986 for me to be a youth and family minister. I have been a minister since 1980. I have served in this community as a police chaplain assigned to a SWAT team since 1992. And I've been in private practice as a licensed professional counselor since 1998. I'm also an adventure educator and an avid outdoorsman. I dabble in rock climbing and I goof around with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Our life has been full of many wonderful experiences and some just outright adventures. I used to write about those things in a little church bulletin article. So now instead of asking you to read those things, we're just going to talk about them in our podcast. And as we talk about them, we're going to talk about the facts. The facts lead to concepts and the concepts lead to application. One caveat about the facts is for the most part, we're going to tell you the facts just as they happened. But every now and then, we're going to tell you the way other people have told us they remember it happening with a little bit of embellishment. It's all good, clean fun and for educational purposes. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy Keeping Up with Jones.